What's up everybody, it's John Morgan. Listen, I wanna to come to y'all and tell y'all right now where you can go and get your LYP merch, www.lypp.org. That's where you can get all the fly crew necks like the one I got on right now. You're gonna get your hoodies, your hats, any type of product that we selling at LYP, you have to go to the website to get it. You can't go to Amazon or no, no third party company to get our products. You gotta to go to www.lypp.org right now to get all of this latest stuff lyp you can also get information on the pod new information on the episodes that we got dropping anything lyp related go to that website right now lypp.org peace because they feelings are written all over their face what <clears throat> okay great i'm in the back room of wally's i spent thirty thousand on somebody's grapes we didn't so many pull-ups on niggas no wonder we getting in shape too busy backing my words of what actions to ever go front of your face. What? Hey, shit done changed. Billionaires talk to me different when they see my paste from Lucian Grange. Told myself that I would get through this verse and I'm not gonna mention the plane. But look at the plane. The fuck are we saying? Yeah. What? Fuck are we saying? Big 81, but I don't own a Harley. I ride a Mercedes with shame. Hey, it's me and Lil Harley. We wrecking this shit, then we about to go link with the gang. Hey, and unlike the clock on the wall of your mama house, I do not have time to hang. Please don't reach out to me, think watching too much of Stefan and got to me versus two E's. I'm serving them up by the threes. I'm playing pool and the pool just connects to the beach. I've been too solid to ever have strikes on my sneaks. You get what I mean? Back in the day, my dogs was putting their balls in the pockets of all of the fiends. And what? What? That was back in the day. Now we involved in legitimate business, baby, we came a long way. Sometimes I hop on a road by myself and I listen to shit that you say. All of y'all having more followers and dollars and that's why I cannot relate. Nope. What? Load up the Drake. Shout out C delivering blankets. <laughs> she does everything at LYP. Shout out C. Yes, yes, yes. One last song. Rest in peace to take off again. We're going to get into the lever record soon, but let's pay our proper respect.
I got a bitch, she gon' kill for real. Talking about Clyde and Bunny. Coot with the kick, cop it. Got to. Pull up with a stick, stop it. Stop it. Rich nigga shit, solid. Rich nigga. Oh, honey, fuck is riding. Cottage. I go to space with the stars. Star. Might smoke a blunt on my pilot. Cookie. Saturn, moon, Earth, and Mars. Mars. NASA take off with the rocket. NASA. Once again, rest in peace to take off our condolences to his family, his friends, all of the amigos, all of the fans out there. Rest in peace to him. Let's go ahead and get into our intro song for the for the day. This is for the lovers. She asked me last week, what's your song for the lovers? What's, what song would that be? Mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, I don't know. And this song just been coming up. Every time I look around, it's on the internet, people making reels with it. I'm like, you know what? This is my song for the lovers. I said last week, you know these songs if your mama clean the house and smoke cigarettes at the same time. You feel me? Maybe your granny did. I don't know. Forever mine. Mm, y'all ready for that? I really want to start singing for y'all, but I'm going to keep it cool. As always, be patient with us. We got Dr. T coming up for y'all real shortly. Shout out to the lovers, the married folks, the folks in a long-term relationship, the single folks, the folks who are on the verge of divorce, but they still want to work it out. Maybe you woke up mad at your significant other today, but you really want to be in a better place. Shout out to you. <laughs> Go ahead, forgive her, bro. It ain't that deep. Baby, I promise he going to do what you asked him to do. Just tell him again. Sometimes we be, need to be reminded. get along just fine shout out to the OJs that's one of the best records right there for the lovers it's called forever mine by the OJs if you did not know welcome everybody to another wonderful episode of the Leah Purpose podcast man we have been having these wonderful conversations with the one and only Dr. Tania Lodge who was back again you know I'm really enjoying this, this segment um I be thinking about different names to call it. You know, we got to talk about it. You know, what we want to really kind of come up with a, a name to kind of frame what this specific segment, you know, is called, you know. But for for the moment, you know, we just enjoy um, diving into the depths of relationships and what makes 
um, healthy relationships. You know, Dr. T is a is a um, a proud graduate of of the LYP University alum. You know what I'm saying? She's been on on, on the show telling her telling us her story. Um, she talked to us a little bit during during the pandemic. You know, in the midst of George Floyd and all the um the social uh, unrest at at, at at that time, um, and now you know she's talking about the work that she's doing as a couples counselor. You know, um, and providing a lot of services to 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 help you know provide healthy relationships. You know, and tools that can help us all you know cultivate and create healthy relationships. So, if y'all do not know, that's who we sitting here talking down with, um, talking with today. Um, Dr. T, thank you again for coming. How are you today? How, how's your How's your spirit? How you How you feeling? We talked a little bit off mic, but how you, How are you? How you feeling? I'm better now. You better now. Absolutely. You 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 You, you, uh, you ready to roll? That's right. <laughs> All right, good. That's That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay, so yeah. listen. Before we even jump into the questions, you know, we always want to um, provide the, the viewers with the, the the answer to the questions that they that they ask me. My first question is, how does one no, or is there ever a good time to like you know consider and like make that step towards you know getting a mediator and you know getting services as a couple you know getting couples counseling like is there ever is there a time period is there is there ever like a moment that we should consider is it more of a preventative maintenance thing like what is the what is the overall answer to 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 that you know what I'm saying is it does it vary depending on your relationship what, when do when should people consider Taking that step and looking, you know, getting a couples counselor. Initially. Initially. <laughs> Off rip. Absolutely. So I like um, what you said. It is preventative and it should be taken as preventative. Oftentimes we engage in therapy when, you know, we feel like it's a last resort. And most couples, when they come to couples therapy, it's a last resort. Okay. When in fact, it should be the first step. Mm-hmm. Um Again, it's very similar to how, and I don't know if they still do this, but it used to be required premarital counseling. Yeah, that's still a thing. Right? Uh, is it required? That's a good question. I don't it know if it's required. It used to be required. Well, I think... Uh, I know it's recommended. I think it's required depending on, like, if you get married in a church, yeah. like, that church leadership may require you to do it, you that's know, depending right. on the, the head. But I don't know if it's required anymore. So I And I think that's important. So some people do come at that point because, again... You are embarking upon a journey, and you don't know what it's going to be like. Okay. So you're talking about, like, initially, like, in a marriage or, like, when somebody gets into a relationship, period? When you decide that you're going to commit yourself to that. Okay, so that could look different for everybody. That's right. Okay, all right. So this is your person, and this is who you're rocking and rolling with. This is who you're committed to. You are with them exclusively. Then, yes, and there's agreement there. Okay. Because here's the thing. Couples therapy does not work if somebody has another relationship. Correct. Okay, so let me <laughs> right. be clear about that. Right. But if two people are on the same page and have the same goal in terms of their relationship status and journey, then yes, it's always a good time. It's never a bad time. But what if people what if people come to you with like alternative relationship um like situations? Like do people come to you and they have they in like um, poly relationships, so, you know, in, in multiple relationships with different people and stuff like that. How do they, you know, how do you do that in those situations? So it's a thing. Okay. Right? Thruples. What's a thruple? A, a party of three. <laughs> Wait, time <laughs> out. <laughs> time out. This is a real. This is a real term. Or you... Yeah. No, no, no. This is real. <laughs> and it happens. Okay. So there are thruples. There are, are couples who engage in uh, polyamory. Right, right, right. All of that is a thing. And mm-hmm. I've seen couples who, you know, that was their thing. The reason that it didn't work is because somebody was on a different page. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not that we can't, you know, see those kinds of dynamics in therapy. The challenge is, is whomever is involved, there must be a common goal. Got it. Got it. We don't have a common goal and everybody got their own agenda. Right. That's not gonna work. That's a recipe for disaster. But it's a thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's okay, so that's a good that's a good entryway into the first question that I wanna ask you then. The first question that I got is it says, um, where is it at? 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 Um Okay, got it. Is it healthy to give your all in the beginning or should you set limits? 
So, you know, there's a lot of myths about how we're supposed to engage in relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we learn it early on. Like, don't give nobody your phone number until this or... Yeah. Don't engage in this kind of activity until that happened, or right. at least wait six months. Right, right, that right, happen. right, right. All of those limitation and barriers, unfortunately, we internalize it in our psyche, and it comes across. People experience that, so you're not showing up as your authentic self. In fact, there's another common term. That's the representative, right? So you give somebody the representative. In the beginning, because you don't feel comfortable or vulnerable enough to be able to show up as your true, genuine self. That is a recipe for disaster. We need to do the opposite. So whatever is true to you, if you want to give your all, if you feeling like, you know, this person is true, y'all connecting, you enjoying your time, go all the way in. Don't don't hold back. You know what I'm saying? You cheating yourself more by That's right. holding back when you really want to do something different, you That's know, because right. you are fearful of what... Being right. open could could lead to that's controlled by anxiety, and so again, and you're not even being your genuine self. So not only is it impacting the relationship dynamic, it impacts you individually, right? Because right. it's not who you are, right? It's so it's so funny that you say that because when I went back and listened to our last conversation, um, we was talking about we were talking about value so much, right, mm-hmm. and how important it is to. Um, understand our values and relationships and really do things from a value-based lens. That's right. And then when I really start to think about it, I'm like, you know what? I wonder how many people, it's not so much that they are intentionally not operating from their values, but they are just fearful. You know what I'm saying? We doing so much stuff anxiety-based, you know what I'm saying? Because we afraid of the what if, you know, we want to, That's right. you want to be open, you want to be vulnerable, you want to be, you know, open, you want to give, you want to share but my past, uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know what I'm yeah. saying, type of thing. So I wonder how, you know, how many people are leading by that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I feel like collectively as a people, we've been socialized to uh, live in survival mode. That's my baby y'all here in the in the background, y'all. Hey, Sade, <laughs> we hear you, baby. She's talking. She like to be on the mic sometimes. That's too. right. So bear with us. Baby Sade. That's right. So, because we have been socialized to live in survival mode, mm-hmm. that's how that shows up in relationships. It's fear-based. It's anxiety-based. It's, you know, rooted in all these myths and, you know, understanding of relationships that we learned from whether there were our parents, our grandparents, you know, um, other authority figures, um, our peer groups. Like, we come in with all of this. Mm. Um, and that's what we learn, you know, these myths. Like, oh, no, don't do that because I had a bad experience. You're going to have a bad experience, so make sure you don't do it that way. Make sure you do it this way. And it just sets all these limitations and barriers that, again, what people don't understand is that gets in the way. It mm-hmm. shows up in your relationship dynamic, and now we have a conflict, and now we don't know how to resolve it. Is it a myth that our elders, our grandparents, and our parents had these, like, you always hear people talk about, you know, I want, like, that old school love. Or I want this, you know, the stuff that our grandparents used to have and stuff like that. Is it a myth that they had these, like, healthy relationships and stuff like that? Because, again, we talk about things being value-based. That's right. The stuff that we're dealing with today is due to our values, but it's due to the generations prior to us. So is it a myth that they had these just like these outstanding relationships that was just full of all this bliss and love and this foundation of just like, you know, is that is that a myth? It is a myth. Yes. <laughs> all relationships, no relationship is exempt from the trials and tribulations that come with relationships. Mm-hmm. 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 They're always going to be challenges because you have two people Sometimes, more times than not, from different backgrounds, different experiences, um, you know, different makeup, mm-hmm. and all of that shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, all relationships have challenges. Right. It takes work. It takes work. And when we think um, that all relationships were, you know, healthy and blissful and et cetera, um, is, number one, is not realistic, but then it sets a false expectation. And so when something shows up in your relationship, that's why the divorce rate is so high now. Or, you know, people are not willing to commit in relationships because of this ideal of what relationship 
was supposed to be or how they thought their elders or, you know, grandparents or whatnot were functioning. Yeah, no, that's 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 real because yeah, we all we all can be guilty of like trying to um compare ourselves to different situations and repeat what we think is the answer. Mm-hmm. But you're really not being yourself, you're not being true to yourself and you trying to repeat something that ain't even real. You know what I'm saying? So for all of us who always thought that, yeah, our grandparents had this you know, this romanticized idea of what a relationship was supposed to be. Yep. Not only did they have their problems, they dealt with a bunch of stuff too that like, when you really get to peel about the layers of some of the right. stuff that they dealt with, you like, man, no, that ain't it. Right. And let me tell you the, the positive or the difference mm-hmm. is that our elders, they fought harder and more. Hmm. They didn't What you mean by that? For the, for the relationships. Okay. Um, and I think our generation and younger are leery about that because you have a lot of people walking around saying, you know, I wish my parents would have got a divorce. Oh, for real. Facts. Facts. The thing is, is, you know, parents and grandparents, it's it's, it's generational. They stayed together, but for what? A lot of times they could have easily went away and it would have been the best thing for everybody. Yeah. You know, now people carrying around these traumatic experiences for y'all staying together for the sake of staying together. Exactly. And it really didn't do nobody no good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was more energy and effort or because of the value being placed on relationships mm-hmm. that they tried to make those relationships work regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of, and again, I think it's both good and bad. It, you know, there's positives and weaknesses to that approach. But what ends up happening is the messages that we internalize as younger generations. And now we got these, you know, expectations or, you know, these limitations related to what we gonna tolerate? What we're not gonna tolerate? How long we gonna make somebody wait, and et cetera, and all of that again pulls you from your genuine, true self, and it gets in the way of the relationship developing at right. at its natural pace and natural course. Right. Do you do a lot of work with um, people that are not necessarily in intimate relationships, but it may be family relationships, friendships, okay. and things like that as well? Oh yes. Yeah. So couples and family. Yeah. Thought. Yep. Yeah. Because. Yeah, I mean, when I listen, when I start to really think about the depths of relationships and the layers that come with relationships, mm-hmm. intimate, you know, spousal relationship, things like that, that's only one piece. You know, more times than not, you in relationship with everybody else, you know what I'm saying, more, right. more than your, your spouse. There's a lot of single people out there. There's a lot of people, you know, who are just in work relationships, yep. you know, friends, family, and that's where a lot of the stress is coming from. It's not yep. even always in your relationships yep. at, at home, per se. That's right. It's a very common thing when you have um, individuals who um, call themselves best friends. You know how <laughs> yeah. many times best friends take each other into therapy and then things like that? No, for real. So, yeah, because it's a level of intimacy um, and vulnerability that happens in those relationships. Right. And so when it's interrupted or there's a violation or a misunderstanding, yeah. any kind of conflict that shows up, people are hurt. Yeah. And, you know, John, the pro- the reason that it's important that we start to really prioritize and consider relationship therapy is because we don't know how to recover. Mm-hmm. We don't do a good job recovering. We understand a fundamental value that we have amongst our people is unity. Mm -hmm. But we fight tooth and nail to disconnect any wrong move. Right. You say anything (laughs) that is, it could be constructive. Being nice. (laughs) It's it's a done deal. Right. And so it's fragile. Like we get into these dynamics and these relationships and they're very fragile. Like any wrong move can shift the entire dynamic, and that is problematic. That means it's grounded in something that's very superficial, probably, you know, materialistic, individualized, again, when we get back to those Eurocentric values and ideas that has been really, you know, perpetuated in how we understand who we are and who we are in connection with others. Yeah. No, when I think think about... uh relationship therapy amongst friends i think about um on girlfriends when joan and tony went to went to went to therapy that's <laughs> yeah. right i forgot all about yeah, that joan with the therapy and she yes. was like no nah, we got to bring tony in here on this and that was it you know that was like your first first <laughs> yep. insight and we're looking to you know what i'm saying friends right. going to therapy together so that's so that's, that's good right. that actually takes me to my next question um which is how do you end a friendship that you 
feel no longer serves purpose without making them feel bad. So the key to that is we have to be comfortable with expressing our thoughts and feelings. So it's the communication. Before you, well, and again, I would hope that before that happens, there's been ample opportunities to communicate, to try to resolve it. Um, And when we don't get to a place where that's possible, then yes, it's a whole thing um, and a whole skill set that we can talk about that allows people to disconnect from what we call destructive relationships. Mm. I stay away from the term toxic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it means something different for um, different, different people. people. And I just think it's labeling and it's, it has such a negative connotation that I don't, it's, I, I prefer destructive. Like this relationship is destructive, meaning it is destructing aspects of my being, aspects of your being in this interaction that we're having. Yeah. How, um, how often, you know what I'm saying, do how how normal and how often is it, you know, for is it for relationships, friendships to just evolve in in, in the change? I remember my mom used to always tell me back in the days that like, listen, these are your friends now in high school, but 10, 15 years from now, you know what I'm saying, those people that you in relationship with, with like that, y'all not gonna be as close as y'all are. And you know, and a lot of that stayed true. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the some some of the people that I was really, really close to in high school, mm-hmm. we don't really talk like that. It's not necessarily a beef or anything right. like that, but you just kinda evolve and things like That's that. Right. You know, so how normal and how expected is it for yeah, for relationships to kinda outgrow themselves and for you guys to just kinda go your separate ways. Yeah, that's the natural order of things. Like right. it's a process. Because again, we're all on this journey. We all have our life experiences. We have our goals and desires. And who we were as kids, you know, as innocent and pure, we don't, you know, we're just having fun. We're right. hanging out. Right. But when life gets real right. <laughs> and we right. start living this thing called life, right. yes, you start to outgrow certain relationships and allows other relationships to be a part of, you know, your life and your experience. But it's a very natural thing. And I think because we don't understand it, as that we hold on to relationships longer or, um, you know, we're not as open or quick to, you know, talk about what our challenges are. So we got to be real. There is no way of like getting around making people feel bad. When you tell them somebody how you really feel, you got to just kind of deal with what comes with it. There is no way around it. Because what's wrong with it? Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So case in point, when um, I was working with someone and this particular person really struggled to um, express anything to her, her husband. Okay. Like anything. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because I don't want to make him upset. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't want him to feel bad because mm-hmm. he really is a good person. Right. But there is something that's happening that's making me feel bad. But right. I don't want to say anything because I don't want him to feel bad. Right. And my response was, was, well, when pe- if he doesn't feel bad, that's not good because it means he's going to repeat whatever that thing is. Yeah. But when we allow people to feel bad or, you know, to feel connected or empathy, if you will, based on what you're expressing, it increases the chances of something different happening. Right. So that's the thing. You're right. We have to be comfortable uh, with people feeling sad or having hurt feelings or things like that. It gives us information. It allows us to make proper adjustments and do things differently. But if everybody feels good all the time, but things aren't happening, you know, that's aligned with who we are or true to our values, then guess what? You know, that's... That's so real because, like, even when I look within my own self and, you know, in, in relationships across the board, family, friends, you know, um, with my lady, like, one of the things that I have always um, struggled with, for lack of better words, is being guilt in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I will, I don't always necessarily have a problem with communicating how I feel about things, but, yeah, it's the, I don't want them to feel bad and I don't want to feel guilty about expressing myself 
you know, in the midst of whatever. And, you know what I'm saying, we walk around with this heavy guilt of, you know, what I did to shake up the relationship dynamic. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the things that, yeah, yeah. That, that 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 shows up. It's that, it's that guilt thing. Well, I think it goes back to the anxiety and to the fear thing too, right? That's right. And I don't know if you recall, we talked about sensitivities. I don't know if it was our last segment or the segment before that. But anytime something happens and you feel guilt, that's an internal struggle. That's something that's sensitive to you. Right. And so we will need to unpack that or see what that is that's showing up. Right. Because more times than not, the other person and your partner, they're not feeling that. Right. 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 So that, that speaks more to an internal process or something, internal conflict, something that is happening that's creating that guilt. Mm, mm. I'm still working, y'all. Give me my, you know, leave, give me my, give me my time. Let me. I'm still, I'm still healing. You know, I'm mm-hmm. still, I'm still unpacking a lot of this stuff that we that we talking about right now. So you know, listen, I'm working, I'm working on it too. You feel me? Um, all right. So let me go to this next, this next question. Um, this is a good. This is actually a really good question. I was actually interested to hear your thoughts. How do you deal with establishing privacy in your relationships? And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean by That's that? Right. And they said, well, you may not want to communicate something. Do I have to share everything? And I didn't. And I will say, I didn't. I didn't feel that this person was saying talking from like a. Um, I didn't feel like they were coming from a place of um, like hiding something because it was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I just felt like they probably just felt like I don't want to tell you type type thing. I just felt like it was. It was it felt more innocent, I should say. Yeah. So, I think I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So here's the thing. In the perfect world, uh, it would be very important to be completely open and transparent. <laughs> oh, uh oh, she about to lean into the private side. Go ahead. It, it will. Because here's the thing. Any and everything that we have experienced and encountered in some fashion or form, is going to show up in your relationship. Okay. And my question is, well, if there's something that you don't want to share or if if you're uncomfortable with the whole idea of sharing, that tells me that there is something that, you know, you don't want learned. Because that's awesome. If you don't want to share, that means that's something that you don't want learned about you. Mm. And that's very unhealthy Mm. um, as it relates to functioning in a relationship. Mm. Mm, that's right. a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's You're not sharing time. it because you're hiding it. Right. Because you don't want to be exposed to whatever. Or you don't want somebody to know a side of you or a part of you. Um, and now and I, I do want to caution and say that I think it's okay and appropriate to take your time mm-hmm. in terms of what you share and how you share. But again, if you have committed yourself to someone, that's part of the package. Mm-hmm. Complete transparency, openness, because again, it shows up. Right. It shows up, right. and now we got a conflict. Right. But you, you are you are so you are so right. The the um the importance of just like time, taking your time. Everybody's communication style is different. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I'm one of those people who want to talk about it right now. Let's get it out in the way right now. Mm-hmm. Sierra is more on the side of like, no, let me sit back and process and you know <laughs> think about that. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. So yes, that's 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 completely that's completely true. Um, or let me ask you this: How do you deal or work through conflict with your significant other's family? I'm sure you probably hear this one a lot. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. And it's interesting. So you know, <laughs> let me be clear about this: When I work with couples, um, I have to, you know, put a label on it, if you will, just for the purpose what you of, mean? you know, like. A diagnosis. Okay. Um, because again, when you're in the field and you're trying to be reimbursed and compensated, you have to say, okay, well, what is this couple's problem? What is the challenge? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most part, so when we're working with couples. Okay, I got you. Um, I know what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not anxiety or depression or anything like that, although it shows up, but it's called, it's an official diagnostic label called problems in relationship mm-hmm. with your spouse or your partner. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing this up to say, John, because there's also 
a diagnosis for problems in relationship with your in-laws. The fact that it made the DSM-5, which is that diagnostic uh, manual that all therapists and licensed professionals use to create diagnoses for, you know, based on how they understand what people are presenting with, it made that, it made that manual, which talks about, you know, the prevalence of it and how common it is that people really struggle with in-laws. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk enough about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is one of the areas that gets assessed when I am working with a couple in terms of what those relationships are like, too. Because guess what? Those relationships, you know, they highly influence relationships like in a do-or-die fashion. Right. <laughs> In-laws have been the result of relationships not working. Right. And in-laws have been the result of relationships working. Mm. So it's super important making sure that we are considering those relationships also and bringing them to the forefront and taking them to therapy if you need to. So what is, so what does the DS, DSM-5 say about, you know, the problems with, with in-laws? What does it say? What's the, what's the criteria? Um, so it's more so like... Um, crossing boundaries or um, not being open or being dismissive, um, passive aggressiveness, uh, projection, enmeshment, meaning that people are overly involved, um, or the opposite of that is, you know, diffuse where there's no connectivity and things like that. So there's a variety of things. You don't need a whole lot, like five out of ten. One or two of those is enough to say, okay, this family is in distress. This couple is in distress. This is how we can, you know, understand what the couple or family is going through, and this is going to be the approach. Mm. Is this this is new in the um, no. DSM five? No, it's not new. Really, I never <laughs> I never heard this before. Because we don't talk about couples and family. <laughs> That's true. Everything is individualized, which is why you know I keep saying the pandemic, as awful as it was. As traumatic as it was, it really shed light on the importance of relationships. And I will tell you, John, since the pandemic, the increase in couples wanting to engage in therapy is so high. It's going up crazy. It's so high. Like the waiting list for multiple marriage and family therapists is ridiculous. But that's because... Everything else was taken from us. All right. we had to do was focus on those relationships. Hey, I said it before on this podcast before. I never Dave Chappelle put it the most eloquently I ever heard anybody mm-hmm. say about the pandemic. They said, he said, the pandemic was a time for forced reflection. Yeah. A lot of time, a lot of people, all of us really, but a lot of people were forced to sit down in those households. In those relationships, That's and right. they realize, like, oh shit, I'm in a relationship with somebody I don't even like like that. That's right. Like, I don't even want to be here like that. That's I don't right. even like who I've become. That's right. You know, I'm not even feeling this person like that. That's right. When you moving and grooving in the day to day with work and life and da 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 and doing this and that. That's a big difference. That's a mm-hmm. big difference than when you at home with somebody all day and you seeing stuff. And it's a big difference between <laughs> just like seeing small stuff that's just like, you know, making you annoyed than when you said like, oh no, I don't even I don't even like this person like that. <laughs> right. So, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's that's a that's that's a real, real thing. That's good. Yeah, no, I I've, mm-hmm. I've never heard that, but like you said, we don't talk about families and things like that um and, and, and counsel only in, individualized so that's so that's good yeah. okay so this question you know they was they they went back to the they went back to the sex and intimacy they was they was on that um they wanted you to talk expound on some more stuff on that end okay. so somebody asked me they said how do i get my partner to initiate sex more without changing who they are Without the partner changing who they are or them changing who they are? I was thinking that they were saying about the partner changing who they are. Okay. So, you know, the thing, sex is one of those sensitive topics. And again, we have been taught (laughs) and socialized that we should not be talking about it or we should not be exploring or, you know, that there's a certain way that you have, like, there's a whole lot that goes in with that. So the best way to get someone... um, to engage comfortably is to have open dialogue about it. That's what, I mean, literally, that's what it boils down to, is to have open dialogue about it. Um, and then I think it's important for 
the person, if you are in a relationship and you are having a hard time with the other person not initiating, you have to create the space and opportunity for that to happen. A lot of times when couples are complaining about that, there's no real space or opportunity to allow that to, in fact, unfold. So what's that mean? Break that down. What does that mean to create space for the person to be able to, to, to do that more? So if, some, if one partner has a higher sex drive than the other, uh-huh. this is a very common thing too, right, so when right. I talk about this. Right. Um, I'm talking from like people's real experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm thinking of one couple where the guy... Um, has a very high sex drive. In fact, their first, um, they, this, they're on a second marriage. They were married. He literally used the term sexless marriage. Oh, um, they were married first. They were married once, got divorced, and got remarried. Yes. Okay. In less than a year time. Okay. Because when they were separated, there was more opportunity in engaging in, in sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with, when with other people. No, with each other. So they live separately, but they will meet up, okay. you know, put the fire back into it, the spark or whatnot. Okay, okay. So what ends up happening is... So they got divorced just to have more sex. Clearly. <laughs> All they right, got okay. back together. But now that they're back together, they're in couples therapy because now it's going back to what he considered to be a sexless marriage. And here's the thing. He wants her to be more spontaneous. He wants her to initiate it more, but he has a very high drive. He wants this to happen almost daily, if not daily. So there's never, you know, a space or opportunity for her to desire or for her to be able to initiate. So So, you got to create separation. You got to create separation. And so if you want somebody to initiate something because you're doing it all the time, the best response to that is to stop doing it, <laughs> right? But for a short oh, well, that could go time. over bad though, Dr. T. But and it does, right? And because it it doesn't go over well, then you know we get back into these cycles, so it your need never gets met, right? But you just have to tell yourself it's just for a time period. So I'm not gonna try nothing for a week, and we'll see what happens. I'm not gonna try anything for two weeks, and we'll see what happens. One or two things is gonna happen. One is going to be, what's going on? Especially if you always on it and right. now you're not on it, right. it's going to raise questions, which right. creates an opportunity to communicate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, you know, that person might say, oh, okay, well, here's an opportunity, and they start engaging or initiating. Mm-hmm. So whether they start initiating or it creates an opportunity to communicate mm-hmm. about what the concerns or challenges are and what your needs are and what you desire, like it's a win-win. But the hard part is stopping. Mm-hmm. Stopping and saying, okay, I'm going to stop for, you know, a week or two. Like it doesn't have to be long-term and it shouldn't be long-term. It should be an ending point. Yeah, because when you when you stop, then you <laughs> a lot of times you probably stop and then you like you know you pissed that you had to stop. Yep. And then you you know you being passive aggressive in the process, like yep. man, I gotta wait on you, and this still ain't happening. Here, here we getting on day five, and you know ain't nothing, ain't nothing happened. We on day thirteen. Oh no, this ain't <laughs> this mm-hmm. this ain't it. Mm-hmm. So it's like why must why must stop? At least I'm gonna you know get my knees met. You know what I'm saying per per se, but yeah. But. And- but and here's the other thing too. So we talked about this. I don't know if it was our last segment or the segment yeah, yeah, before yeah. that. Mm-hmm. When this happens, there has to be a level of understanding and empathy. Okay. So okay, what's going on with the other person that right. is not happening? Let me try True. to understand because it could be something that's easily reconcilable, or it could be something that is a huge issue that might require, you know, some other kind of intervention or or conversation. But if you don't explore, like, what is the barrier or how come this person isn't initiating, then you're making assumptions. And now you really are experimenting or, you know, doing things without having that understanding. So I want to back up, right? So I still stand by, like, behaviorally that's what you do mm-hmm. but it's also important for you to get that information and that insight so there's empathy and understanding which also is going to create other ways for you to be able to communicate or or express that how much do you see uh casual porn watchers you know what i'm saying impact people's relationships 
So. <laughs> and notice I said the word casual. casual. That's, I didn't, I didn't that's say, what I'm hung up on. I'm yeah, like casual. Listen. Yeah, I didn't say I didn't say anything excessive. Listen, it's so common. Right. It's so common. It's such a major issue. And you know, there's a couple different things that happens. You sometimes you have women who are okay with it because it doesn't impact their um, sexual intimacy or performance. Mm-hmm. And you have other people where it does impact. So, for example, men who are engaging in porn on a regular basis are not able to climax when they're with their partners. Mm. Like, that's a major common issue okay. that women have issues with. Or they are... This don't sound like casual porn watching. That's what I'm saying. Like, But but what is casual? So, okay. that would be my, First my question. question, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because... Um, Let's say casual is like twice a week. That's not casual. Twice really? a week? Watching porn twice a week is not casual? No, casual. <laughs> hey, I done told on a lot of us, fellas. <laughs> That's not I casual. I told on a lot of us. That's a part of your practice. Casual is every now and again, me and my partner watch porn together. Okay. But if you're doing it in isolation... And that's a that's a routine. If you're doing something more than once a week consistently, that's twice a, a week, that's a routine. <laughs> hey, fellas. That's not casual. <laughs> and I know that, John. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it is common. I'm not going to say it's problematic or right. an issue. Right. Um, it really does depend on how it shows up in the relationship dynamics. In some relationships, it is a huge issue. In other relationships, it works. But yeah, that's... <laughs> So, all right, so expound on that then because, okay, because when I hear that, when I hear of, because, all right, because what I'm really thinking about is what you've been saying all along, which is that a lot of these ideas and views and that we think is normal, mm-hmm. it, I don't like using the words normal and, and, and abnormal, those are bad, those are bad words, but a lot of the things that we think is just like regular, regular practice and stuff like that, mm-hmm. a lot of times it, it is not, we're not really understanding the impact, so how much of... How much of like being in a relationship requires us to like literally strip away all of our thoughts that we came into the relationship with? Like we got to literally take away everything. Deconstruct everything, right? Which is why it's important that you, if you can start therapy at the beginning, that's going to be ideal. That's gonna be ideal. Listen, if you in a relationship, <laughs> you better get you better get in. You you better t- tap in with Dr. T ASAP because yeah, because the long the longer you in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You talking about 10, 15 years, and you haven't had any type of like yeah, any type of assistance and help. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be really. It's gonna be even harder to break, you know, and like you know, consider something different when you know it's worked for right. X amount of time. That's right. That's right. How many people do you see people like, you know, elders and like people 40 and up, 50 and up come, coming in to being, being clients or is it still more oh, yeah. 30, and, 30 and under? No, 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 no. I think the majority are in their 50s and 60s. Really? Yes. So I they've do. been together for I, a long a period of, of time. 30s. Yeah. So like the one couple, they was married 25 years, right. divorced, and now they're remarried. Um, but yeah, 50, 60 is a... Is, that's huge because, you know, again, conflict and these challenges show up when people are going through different developmental phases of life. Right. And so just depending on what's going on with you developmentally, that shapes the interactions and the dynamics. And, you know, now, okay, we got to have a conversation because you in crisis. Listen, the ancestors to put this and put these questions in order because now it's, it's all kind of making sense and they all align. And so the next question, okay. I told you they was on me about this sex and intimacy stuff. Yes. They kind of got into their freaky bag a little bit. That's all right. So do ask, whoops, I didn't mean to say, call it a dude, but you know, whatever. I ain't going to say your name. But he asked me, he said, is um, too much masturbation in my relationship a problem? So that depends on what kind of impact. Like I would want to ask his partner that but what you mean what you mean like does it impact his ability to perform or engage with her let's say it doesn't what if he's masturbating every day and he's still able to perform with his partner so again if it works for the relationship and it's not causing (laughs) a problem then that's okay right but it raises another kind of of question like what is the purpose of that because here's the thing. I thought masturbation was healthy. 
Masturbation is healthy for young adolescent boys <laughs> who are going through puberty. Oh, wait a minute. We we taking away all type of myths. All right, so okay, yeah, keep going. It's keep developmental. Going. But if you are in a functioning relationship with a person who wants to be intimate and y'all intimate, then the question becomes what's the purpose of that? What function is that serving? So I'm I'm thinking, I'm speaking. Bear with me, fellas. I'm speaking on behalf of us right now. <laughs> I'm thinking that a lot of dudes will say, um, to like keep the peace, so to speak, to like relieve stress. And you can't, you're, so again. It's just a form, it's just a coping strategy. That's interesting, right? So. If I'm just speaking done, for the... Yes, I, I think that's great. So if it's being done right. to keep the peace uh -huh. or for comfort or to alleviate stress, mm -hmm. and if you're doing that to yourself, for yourself, when you are in a relationship with someone else um, who should be sharing in that experience, that's individualistic. Oh, man. You want me to tie the values to yes. it? <laughs> Masturbation is Eurocentric, Dr. T. I'm, if, so again, expound. You got to expound. So yes. you got to break it down. Break I it am. down for me, please. Everything that I'm gonna say is it always depends on the purpose, okay, and function of it, right? So if you have a willing partner who is engaging you sexually, mm -hmm. um, and there's no concerns there, you're not going without. You're not having your needs met, but there's something happening with you that you want comfort. Um, stress relieving and you know et cetera et cetera but you go to self versus to your partner okay so it's about right so it's about if your needs are being met but you're still doing this that's where it creates the issue but if your needs aren't being met and then you are resorting into this then I mean it still causes for you to have a conversation with your partner about like hey my needs ain't being met so I'm resorting to this as opposed to cheating or whatever the case may be mm -hmm. but regardless it's still a opportunity for Right? Communication to be Listen, had. And to engage. Sex is so important in relationships. Right. It's like top two. Mm -hmm. It's so important. It is a way that people can express love. It's the way that people can just express themselves with their person. Mm -hmm. And so when you interfere with that, when you interrupt that with porn and masturbation or, you know, other people or whatever that is, it literally interrupts the natural process between two people. So you're not even giving the relationship a fair opportunity Ooh, to meet whatever you have. Fellas, y'all going to be mad. Right? It's like gluttony. Like, no, I want this too. Like, right. you, you can't, I mean, you can do that, but it's going to be a problem in your relationship. Yeah, because what you essentially what you're saying is that you are adding an element into your relationship that takes away from, yeah, for you being able to share with your partner. Yeah, show up, be present, engage, be intimate. Because it always comes back to the communication and mm -hmm. the having that honest dialogue to get your needs met and to work through it. That's right. Mm. Yeah, we all we all screwed because we didn't been taught <laughs> some crazy stuff when it comes when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Like when I think about. I always heard and thought that, let me try to make this sound, you know what I'm saying, Edu educational too, you know what I'm saying, on some on some real. So I always looked at and thought that masturbation was a sense of um, healthy self-love. <laughs> that sounds like a biased... <laughs> Sounds very biased. But no, for real. Like if you spend it, if you spend it, what's what is another form? Like that is one of the most intimate, you know, forms of like you know, uh, self pleasure, right? You know, mm -hmm. so self pleasure is individualistic. No. But it, but it, it comes, it, it it still goes back to if your needs are or are not being met, mm -hmm. right? And if, if you're your with partner, a partner, if you have a partner, if you are solo and you're not in a relationship, this is different. a different conversation. Right. But right. if you have a partner right. and y'all are intimate sexually, mm -hmm. whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's so-so, whether it's not enough for you, mm -hmm. when you rely on other things 
versus trying to, you know, strengthen that area in your relationship, you are interrupting the process. Mm. It's an interruption. However you want to, you know. <laughs> hey, fellas, y'all heard it from her. I was with y'all. I was with y'all. I was trying to fight, but it's that's a tough one. Yeah. That's that's a that's a tough one. And, and I want to be clear about this, right? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Right. What I'm saying is it interrupts mm-hmm. the natural process and progression of how intimacy can be a great, beautiful thing between two people. Yeah, because we ain't even get into the ideas of like recreating what you see, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, in, in porn. It's just more so about, yeah, adding that element in there is interrupting the process of giving you the opportunity to tell your partner, hey, this is what I need, this is what I like, this is what I want to consider, and mm-hmm. blase, blase, whatever. Because mm-hmm. it still goes back to the fear and the anxiety of, you know, maybe they may judge me if I had these thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's going to get a no, it's going to cause these other type of problems. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it always yep. comes back to the to the open dialogue. In, in the beginning, it's, if that's your thing and that's what you like to do, that's fine. But when you decide to commit yourself to a relationship, they're now a part of that. So hey, I like to do this. You want to watch with me? Right. Maybe. Right? right. And again, not all the time, but right. you engage your partner in that kind of thing, and then you don't have to worry about the consequences of something you know disruptive or you know, negative occurring. Last question. It All goes right. right in, it goes right into the bag. It says, how many, or what is a, what is a healthy, a healthy amount of times um, you should be having sex in a relationship? So I think it depends on um, like people's physical health, age and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So my short answer is, as often as possible. Okay. It's not, and again, putting that time frame on it or putting that amount on it limits or sets this kind of unrealistic um, expectation or expectation that's not living up to the standard or meeting the need. So my short answer is as often as possible. If you can engage daily, do it. If you can engage at least three to four times a week, do it. And here's why this is important. When you are able to be intimate and engage sexually with your partner, it makes all those other stressors in life more tolerable. That is a fact, especially when you got kids. Especially when you have kids. It's yes. bonding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so depending on what kind of sexual activity people are engaging in, it really is bonding and it strengthens the connection. And so when something goes down that creates stress to the relationship... Y'all are going to be in a better position to recover mm-hmm. and deal with it because y'all don't have the sexual frustration on top of it. Right. I mean, it's like top two. Right. It's top two. What's, it's that what's, important. What's the top two? Sex and what? Money. Finances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's obvious. Yeah. So, all right. So, on the on the fl- on the flip side of that, then, so what? Be, how do you know when it becomes um, when y'all not having sex enough? Like, is it? We haven't sex hasn't haven't had sex in a week. Is it two weeks a month? Like where has it? What's the threshold for? Or this is a problem, and this is something that needs to be yeah. addressed. So the couple defines that right when one person is saying "Hey," or when somebody notices it, or somebody is speaking to it, then it's a problem. And it doesn't have to be both people. It could be one person. Is do you see more? Um, is it is it gender specific? Do you see more? Men wanting to have more sex opposed to women or vice versa? What's the... Both. Because I have a lot of sisters who are concerned that their men don't touch them, mm-hmm. um, are not sexually attracted to them, or right. don't get engage them in sex. Like, women deal with that just as right. much as right. men. Yeah, absolutely. Sex and finances, and sorry, fellas, but we got to... Stop jacking off, man! Because you, you know, interrupting the process. Interrupting the process. This is a this is an interesting conversation, y'all. Yes. I can't wait to hear y'all thoughts on this. Yep. Masturbation is interrupting the process of you being able to yeah um, engage in a healthy relationship, a healthy dialogue with your partner. Yeah, ask yourself just if you just think about it from a very basic level and understanding. Mm-hmm. We understand that. Our adolescent boys, 12, 13, 14, et cetera, you know, going through puberty, we know that that's what they're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. We, they're, I mean, they're figuring it out. They're trying to <laughs> fix how their bodies work. When you're 30 plus, you shouldn't be getting down. 
<laughs> if you're in a relationship, right. that's a problem. Right. If right. you're not in a relationship, right. have at it. Right. But if you're married and 30 plus with kids? There's an issue. If you feel like you have to rely on that when you are in a functioning relationship, there is an issue somewhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Y'all heard it there first from Dr. T. Thank you again. Let's give her another round of applause, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Tania Lies. Dr. T, tell everybody where they can find you, how they can get in contact with you, you know, if they're interested in, you know, becoming your clients, you know, tell them how they can get in contact. Give, your, give your info, please. Feel free. Um, email me at info at kindredspiritbh.org. That is info at kindredspiritbh.org. You can also give me a phone call. My office number is 234-466-0445. And you can also look me up on my website at www.kindredspiritbh.org. I appreciate the conversation, John. Thank you so much. You already know. Listen, another episode, LYP. This is another good one for the books. Can't wait to hear y'all thoughts on it. Peace.